So it's Michael from the Sea Change Business Podcast, and today I've got something different. So what we've had so far is we have people who are based in Yamba, and we feature them, and they've chatted about their businesses or how they help businesses in Yamba. Today, I've got my friend Paul Buckman here. Now, uh, Paul is a bit like a comet, insofar as he travels a long way away and then sweeps in for a close encounter every so often. Now, I first came across Paul um, at our in Freemasons. He's a, he, he was a visitor in our lodge. Um, and when I heard he was coming to Yamba today, I thought it would be a fantastic opportunity to have a chat with him because what Paul does is he goes to visit lots and lots of businesses all around of Australia. And he has a unique insight to what makes some businesses work and some businesses not work. So, Paul, welcome today. Thank you, Michael. Pleasure. <laughs> so, because... Um, you know, I see you um, really quite infrequently. Um, let's start with what you do now. What's your role? What do you do? So I'm the product demonstrator or ambassador. ambassador. I, I like to think ambassador. Ambassador's good. Better word. Yep. For a company called Sudal. Okay. And Sudal is a global business. Yes. Run by a family, though, out of Belgium. They're also the sponsors of the Sudal Cycling team. Yes, I've heard of those. Sudal makes foams, adhesives, and glues. I like to think of the word, or everybody in the business calls it sealants, but yes. it's glue. It's a glue. It's okay. a glue. And some of it is the strongest in the world. So I get to go around and show people how good it is. Oh, very good. So um, you have been doing this demonstrator role. Before Sudal as well, though, haven't you? In many other roles, yes. Okay. Yeah. Right. So I demonstrated how to put cars on a dyno and drive right. at 200 cool. kilometres an hour and demonstrate software. Oh, very good. Um, and I'm guessing that you would have seen um, consistent themes in some of the businesses that you go and see about what makes them successful, and you can spot straight away the ones that are going to struggle. Absolutely. All right. We'll come to that shortly. So where are you from? Where are you based? I live in Picton. Okay. In New South Wales. Yep. Not New Zealand. And... No judgment here, by the way. No. So it would have been fine either way. It's probably about minus two at home. At so it's cold. Hey, in, in Yambo, it's funny because, um, you know, I don't cycle. I don't cycle outside too much unless it's little errands if it's less than about 16 um, and if I do go out, it's gloves. I consider thermals. And to go out when it's <laughs> even 12 degrees, well, that's, I don't really enjoy that very much. So two degrees, is that's cold. And yet I've just come back from Bundaberg. Yep. And I'm feeling the cold, <laughs> even though it's still probably about 16 or 17 degrees. Yep, it's pretty comfortable at the moment. So I know next week it's going to be freezing. It's supposed to be really cold next week. It's supposed okay. to be extra cold. I mean, I, I looked at Yamba's forecast. It's supposed to get down to like nine degrees as a minimum. That's cold for Yamba. I'm sure, but it'll be <laughs> minus two, yeah, you minus three. <laughs> yeah. So tell us some of the stuff you've done. So I'm a mechanic by trade. Okay. That's my actual trade. Yep. Um, I also have a degree in computer sciences. Yep. And I built a business working with a software business out of the US. All right, so let's uh, hold it right there. Hold it right there. How does a mechanic go and get a computer degree? I 
left. Which, which one happened first? I was a mechanic first. Okay. And then I decided after two years of being a mechanic that that wasn't what I should do. So yes. I went back to school and I finished my higher school certificate. Okay. And I then waited another nine years. Yep. Before I actually did my degree. Oh, well done. Well uh, done, Bo. But I did it via correspondence. Yep. So, because it, it just wasn't going to work in with the plan. Mm-hmm. And then I met a man in America. Yep. Well, I met him in Australia, but he's an American. Yep. Who owned a business creating customer relationship management software. Right. That business grew to where in 2000, they employed me to cover from Pakistan to Tahiti. Wow. And go and teach new partners. Yes. So that was not the beginning, but a mid-level period of where I met businesses that were, you could see they were going to be successful or you could see they were going to swim or sink. Yes. And I would spend a week with those people, training them how to sell this system. Okay. And from there, I went back to consulting I then went and worked for a company selling dynamometers. Yeah. Again, New South Wales, South Australia, and... But not Pakistan to Tahiti. No. Yeah. No, it was a, a long way short of that. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm guessing if you're, if you're driving and not flying, it actually feels a lot further. Well, I was in America when 9-11 happened. Right. So when I returned from that world tour, I decided that flying was not the way to keep traveling. I understand. Um, so driving was actually a lot better. <laughs> Very good. And I, and I have to say, driving around Australia and meeting people every day yeah. is an exciting experience. Yeah. And you sort of, some days you sort of go, you know what, that wasn't a really good day. Yep. But the next day is just so uplifting that you walk away going, that was exciting. Yeah. No, I, I've, I've done some time on the road and, you know, um, I know exactly what you mean. There are some days and you think, oh, that was, that was so worth it. And you might drive five, six, seven, eight hours to go and visit one customer. Um, but they're so grateful that you even made the pilgrimage to see them when most other people don't. And you just have a, it's just such a good time. But there are other days where, you know, nothing seems to work. Like, well, yesterday I was in Kyogle. Yep. And the guy had done such a great job of recruiting people to come to, so right now I do a barbecue breakfast. Yep. And that one we started at six o'clock in the morning. Yes. In Kyogre was a bit cool. And we do a barbecue breakfast and then we present new product. Yep. And he organized to have about 30 trades guys do, drop whatever they were doing that morning to come to see me present. Mm. And it was exciting. Cool. So I was there till like 1.30, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. That's great. And I saw probably another 25 guys yes. come through, a guy that hand manufactures guitars. How about that? Uh, a guy that is involved in four men's sheds. Yep. So a range of people that most people wouldn't get to meet in half a lifetime. Yeah. I meet in one day. That's cool. That's exciting. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, very, very good. So um, you, you'll see, I'm guessing, big companies as well as individuals who have a business. Absolutely. Part of what you're doing right now. So, you know, when you, even let's go back to when you're, you know, you're doing your CMS days. Um, what would be some of the red flags that would 
go off for you when you'd walk into a business and think, oh, God, these guys are going to struggle. The biggest red flag is when somebody wants everything, yep. but they're not prepared to put the hard yards in to even get halfway. Yep. And you can see that immediately when somebody's got a shopping list yes. of what they want to achieve, but they haven't ticked off the first two of when do I want it yeah. and how much will it cost me. Yep. Because they are traditionally the first two things that as soon as you decide you're going to go outside what you're doing right now, mm -hmm. that you have to figure for. Oh, it's exactly the same with my bikes. If I, want, if I want to put a new product range on, what's the minimum buy-in? <laughs> yes. Like how much is it going to stress my business to feature that new product? That's always top of mind. And when will it be successful? And yeah. When's, when's going to be the return? Absolutely. And I see, these days, I see hardware stores that put in, and we've got something like 350 products in our product range. Wow. I did one in Melbourne about a month ago. Yep. And funny story, I had to get up at four o'clock in the morning to get to this store yes. to set up. And the guy had, the rep had told me that these guys could be a little funny. Right. And I thought, okay, I'll just go with it. By the mid-morning, that store owner had decided to add 17 new lines. Oh, dear. Okay. Well, that, that surely part of your brain as the salesperson says, cool. Absolutely. But I also have in the back of my mind, what's the rep been doing with these guys? Yeah. You've got to have that. So yeah. my goal now is to talk to the store owners, but also talk... And I do cover both sides. So I talk to the tradespeople yep. who in themselves are small businesses. Yes. And talk to the store owners. Yeah, who are going to be your distributor. Correct. Yep. And I look at how can I enhance their business yep. and offer them products that they may not have even considered running in their business, mm. while at the same time I'm talking to the trades guys going, could you use this? Yeah. And it's, it's funny. Now, I, I think I look... And because in my business, I really look with that long view. I, I think about what's going to be the best way of getting a return over 18 months, 24 months, if I feature this new product. So I'm not going for the initial hit. I'm thinking if I feature this thing, will in the long term it pay me a dividend back? Because um, it's easy to make short-term sales. Yes. Because you get excited about oh, a new absolutely. product as well. Yeah. Easy to make short-term sales, but is it going to be sustainable? Yes. And if it's not going to be sustainable, it ends up looking bad for you. Well, in, the, in my businesses, in the business I'm in now with Sudal, mm. one of the real factors that has a great influence, we have virtually an expiry date. Okay. On every product we sell. Yeah. So every product has a build date, and then it has a date to use by. Yes. So... That is another part of the equation. Oh, you don't stop going off, do you? Well, correct. And yep. then you've got to discount it. Yep. Right? You've got to do something to mm -hmm. move it. A lot of tradies won't use it if it's expired. Yep. Um, so it's, a, it's that third equation. Yes. It's very interesting. So when you, go into a new, when you go into businesses that you see, what are some of the things that immediately go, oh, these guys are going to be okay? Are there some things that stand out for you? I think the biggest single thing is, they welcome you in yeah. and want to let you know what they're doing. Okay. The guys that go, you can set up over there. Yeah. I did one in Melbourne uh, six weeks ago. 
and it was on a Saturday. Unusual for me actually to do a Saturday. Yes. It's a very large store, and I got there, and the girl was really welcoming. I thought, this will be good. I had a parking spot right outside the front door. Yep. And then she said, oh, and the lady that organised this has said we're not to give you any electricity. <laughs> you need to provide your own. <laughs> now, lucky I carry a generator. Yeah. But I thought that was just a little odd. Yeah. To not be able to borrow some electricity. Because given... you're, not, you're not using that much, surely. Yeah. I run a, a fridge <laughs> and a TV. Huh? So it's not that much. Yeah. And given that I was giving away... So you've already been treated as a hostile insurgent. Well, yeah. And <laughs> then one woman sent a message down halfway through the day and said, can you turn the barbecue off because I can smell it halfway down the store? And I thought, that's exactly my, what I'm trying to do. So I sort, I sort of, you get this sense from people that they want you there. Yes. And they want you to, in a sense, be part of them. Yep. And others are like, I'm putting up with you. Yeah. Because, yes, you are a supplier. I should give you some time. Yeah. Whereas others want to be a partner. Yeah. And you can see straight away then those businesses that will push forward with it and those that will, they'll still sell your product. Yes. But it won't be to the degree that they could achieve. Yeah. It's just another product to them, isn't it? Correct. And we have yeah. a little store in Jinjin up in Queensland. Yep. Very small town. Mm. He sells our product four to one yep. against Bundaberg. Well, Bundaberg's got like a hundred thousand yep, people. Yep. He's got like 700 people. Yes. And he outsells Bundaberg. And we have three distributors in Bundaberg. Yep. He outsells all of them by How four to that? one. How about that? And you got, when you walk into his store, yeah. it's, it's a family business, but he got me a spot right on the corner. Okay. And I said, you sure that this won't upset with the council? He said, I don't care. Everybody can see you here. Yeah. So, so let's talk about that like... business. Let's talk about that business. Why, why, do you think, why do you think he took that approach? Because he could just be treated, and, and again, you know, often I'll, I'll treat, and I do this, you know, when reps come to see me, um, sometimes it's annoying. Sometimes I want them because I'm planning my next six months' worth of purchases. Um, what... What do you reckon his his mindset is about you coming into his business? Like, what what, what did he see it as? He's taken our product on yep. on the basis that he could build a solutions bar for people. Right. And he has a lot of passing trade. Yeah. RVers, those sort of people. But he also has a lot of trades guys that come from out of town yep. to come into scene. He has sort of built his business around having specialization modules inside the business yeah. so there's the specialization for electrical tool for yeah. tools there's the specialization for sealants and adhesives yep and so he's built a solutions bar where he's well that's a, that's that's a great tip i think for so many businesses in retail who try to be everything to everyone but when i know you know it's easy when people walk in a business to get overwhelmed with everything there's no it's no clear customer focus in terms of what they're offering. Correct. And Solution Bar is great. Yeah. Yeah, so, but he's done that in every department effectively okay. of his business. And I go into some hardware stores that are humongous buildings. Yes. I mean, we all know the Jolly Green Giant. Yep. And they actually don't seem to have a lot of specialization at the moment. Yeah. Every retailer that opposes them yeah. seems to fear them. 
There are some, though, that go, bring it on. Yeah. Because my speciality is I will ask you questions about what you want to do. Yep. I will have solutions that can solve that problem. Yep. And when you leave, you will pay a fair price. Yeah. Because if you're simply trying to compete on price, you will lose every time. Absolutely. If and I think that's, that, that's a great thing for the businesses who are in these smaller regional areas is you don't have to try and compete on price because what the small businesses do really well is they nail customer service. Absolutely. And that's the point of difference. You don't get that online. You can't go online and say, oh, I'm not sure if this product is the right one for me. What do you think? And, and not feel that you're trying to be sold to. There was, there was a guy in, in Kyogle yesterday, and their nearest Jolly Green Giant store is Lismore. Yep. Which is about uh, probably a 40-minute drive. Yes. And his attitude is, if you're simply going to hit me on the fact that I'm 20 cents more expensive, go buy it from the Jolly Green Giant. Yes. Because that's not what I'm here for. Yep. I'm here to be able to service you every time you walk in the door. Very good. That's a great tip, and I think it's a great, great, great tip for the businesses that are in smaller areas. You don't, you don't have to pretend to be the big business in the big town. Be yourselves, yes. because that's what people want. They want actually want that personal contact. They want to feel that you care about their problem, not just trying to sell them something. And I think the other thing that the smaller businesses need to do is when you have people like me come to your store, where I'm from a supplier, yep. but I'm there to demonstrate to your customers get your staff to, in, to be involved in it. Yeah. You know, staff training is very much left behind with a lot of smaller businesses. Isn't it just? No, I can fully they, agree. They just don't do it. Yeah. Take the opportunity. You know, find an hour a week. When I was working by myself in a small business, I used to take one hour yep. every week, and it, I built it up actually to four hours. So I would take half a day, just to train me. Yep. And I found the more often you do that. And it's like, I completely agree. I, it's, and this is, uh, this is again, you know, I think a great tip for those who are in small micro businesses. We're so busy in the doing, we forget to actually improve ourselves because ourselves is often the biggest asset for our business. And if we could be improving that, if we're not, we're kind of going backwards. Absolutely. And it's, it really is a mindset that you have to... And discipline, definitely, yeah. Because the pressures of, you've got to do the bass, you've got to get your accounts done, you've got to make sure you're, you're paying everyone, all of that stuff on top of serving the customers, keeping your, stop, your, your, your shop looking pretty, it's easy to put the personal development stuff to one side. Correct. But it's so important to, to improve what you do. And if you've got a few people... Allocate somebody else to look after the personal development side. Yes. As in, don't do it yourself. Yep. A lot of people like to, what I found is that a lot of businesses, the guy who owns it wants to own everything. Yeah. As opposed to saying, let's educate somebody else to take over some of those things. And the day you begin to work yourself out of a job. And that's the plan, isn't it? That's, I think that's. Absolutely. Unless you want a job, unless you want a job your plan has to be to make yourself redundant. Correct. Because that means your business is working and it's just a, a provide, it's helping you provide income. Some people don't want that. Some people actually just want the job. And in Kyogle, the, the head guy, and his wife did tell me to tell you this, Michael, 
He's a bike. He's a cyclist. Okay. So he and a group of his mates out of Kyogle are cycling from Bundaberg back to Kyogle. Right. So he's the head guy that owns that business. Yeah. But he's out cycling for a week. Yeah. And I think all of us would like to do that. Not all of us can. All right. So different, different tack. Different question for you. If you were to start a business on your own, first question, where would you set that business up if you could pick anywhere in the country? I would set it up on the basis that I could be anywhere. Yep. So in other words, if I decided to want to live in Canamble, yes. Orange, no, too cold. <laughs> uh, Picton's probably pretty cold too. Yep. But I do enjoy um, somewhere around about Oki or Boona in Queensland. Right. Yep. Or Yamba. I have an aunt who lives in Boona. <laughs> do you really? <laughs> the thing is, is the weather is pretty good yep. all year round. So wherever you set it up, the first thing you've got to consider is, am I trying to set up for a local business? Yeah. Or am I trying to set up for a national business? Yes. And after that, then you've got to set that plan in motion. Absolutely. So for many people I know, many people who live in Yamba, um, who have created businesses here, um, they're global businesses operating out of Yamba. Wow. And with the connectivity that the internet now offers, it kind of doesn't matter where they are. They can still operate globally. So we have people who consult to, com to companies in the Middle East who will do business, um, who have an export business in the United States, but they're based in Yamba. Um, and that works for a lot of businesses. Hmm. It doesn't work for the small retailer. Correct. And the small retailer, if you're going to suddenly go and do your sea change or your tree change, yep. for a small retailer, you've come from Sydney. You're working in a bank. Yep. But you've suddenly got your three-quarters of a million-dollar paycheck. Mm -hmm. You're going to go and set up to do a sea change, tree change, and open a uh, florist shop, yep. for example, you really have to do your homework in terms of, is it sustainable? Yes. Are you buying yourself a job again, or are you buying yourself an opportunity to grow something that you can actually work yourself out of? Absolutely. But here's, the, here's a question for you. Do you think that some people in business, all they actually want is just a job? Absolutely. There's a lot of people that buy themselves the job. Yeah. The and I, I actually don't think there's anything wrong with it. You know, it, some people, that's what they want, is they want to have something that they feel in control of. They don't want to be bored. And so they buy themselves a business. As long as you pay yourself what you should be paying yourself. Yeah, fair enough. If you're doing 80 hours a week and you're paying yourself 25, mm -hmm. that's not buying a job. No, you should just be working with someone else. <laughs> Correct. So it's, it's, it's relative. Especially if you've got no exit plan. Absolutely. And a lot yeah. of the time there is no exit plan. It's like if this doesn't work, I need yeah. to sell up and do something else entire, or I need to retire now. Yeah, yeah. So, but if you're, if you're doing your 40 hours a week yep. and you're paying yourself a realistic wage for what that is, absolutely. Yes. Buy yourself a job. Yes. Um, some guys that buy franchises, mm -hmm. and I've tried that route. Yep. 
they basically buy themselves a job. But Agreed. some franchises, you need to look into it a lot more seriously than people do before you start. I agree. So if you were to go into business on your own, what line of business would that be? What sort of business would that be? I think for me now, it'd be more a consulting role mm -hmm. within a business. Yeah. Because I've had 30 years of doing what I do. Yes. I've had... Do you know, in fact, I've consulted to more than 7,000 businesses. That is amazing. Over the time. That is amazing. All the way from, I did one in Slough yep. in England yep. to New York. I had a client in Slough, actually. I had a client in Slough. That is a weird town. I know. It's a very weird town. <laughs> I spent a week there. I know how weird a town it is. Um, clients in New York. Yep. I still consult to one in Sacramento in California. There you go. Very good. So, you know, I think as you get older, though, yep. what I've found is that a lot of businesses don't actually recognize those inherent life skills that you've built up. Mm -hmm. And we that are a little older yes. have life skills that, unfortunately, you can't transcend to a 25-year-old. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird, isn't it? The whole... Um and I, but I, you know, it, I'm torn with the whole millennial concept as an example, and and the reason I'm torn is because they they can bring so many other skills to the table, but I've always thought you know you can't get grumpy with that age group because they're often our offspring. Absolutely. <laughs> so we we train them to be that way. <laughs> I had one of the guys in our business today say to me, Paul, what if you get sick one day? Mm. I said, Rob. I don't get sick. He said, I had two days off last week. And I went, Rob, I haven't had a sickie and I can't remember when. Yep. Now, is that my generation or is it because I love what I do every day? Yeah, that, that, that counts for a lot. I think it does. That I think counts it counts for a, for a great deal. Yep. And each of us have to find that one area where going to work is a joy. Yes. Not a task. Yeah. And each day you find new things that you go, you know, even I learned something today. Yeah, no, that's, that's very good. And I, and I think that's, that's a great tip for business owners is, get, you know, so many of them don't do that whole self-reflection at the end of the day and think, get a chance to ask themselves, what did I learn today? Absolutely. Because if they, if they start the day thinking, I want to I finish the day having learned something. Yes. They've been a far better place, I believe. Absolutely. But, you know, professionally as well as personally. And I don't know about you, but I've gone home days after doing... And, I mean, all I do is I stand up all day, I do a barbecue for people, and I, yep. and I demonstrate. And I get to break stuff. Yes. And I get to play with things all day, toys and glues and glue things together. But I, I went home last week. I did a barbecue in Brisbane. Yep. And I used five dozen eggs, <laughs> two kilos of bacon... Yep. 60 sausages and eight loaves of bread. Yes. And I got back to the hotel after that and I just went, you know what? I just want to collapse and die. <laughs> but it was such an uplifting meeting all these people during the day. Yeah. And I each bet. of them have their own story. Yes. And being able to relate. I think as a store owner, people being able to have people come into their store and immediately meet somebody and establish, okay, 
how do I help you with whatever you walked in for? Not what's on my agenda as the store owner, but it's how can I help you? And I get a great kick out of being able to do that 70 or 80 times. But you will do that now intuitively because you've been doing it for a while. Yes. And I think so many people in business, especially those who have gone the sea change route, found themselves in a retail environment, all of a sudden that doesn't feel natural to them, especially when they've got bills to pay and think, I really need to shift this stock here. Yes. Um, and, yeah, it, it's definitely a learned thing. I know, you know, we used to do this when I used to do sales training where we'd, we'd say, forget your agenda, forget your sales targets. Nothing will happen if you don't put yourself in their shoes. Correct. Because they already feel awkward walking into your business. <laughs> Absolutely. And, I mean, in, in um, Bow Desert a couple of days ago, mm-hmm. I had a – now, I normally serve tradies because – it's a trade product that I Certainly. sell. But it just so happened that the dentist across the road from this hardware store yep. smelt my barbecue right. when he walked out of his – and he was going to the shop to buy some yep. morning tea. So he came over and I said, absolutely, I do free barbecues. <laughs> Who does free these days? And we got chatting yep. and he found out that I hate the dentist. Yep. We also know a dentist in common. Right. I mean – in Bow Desert in Queensland? Yeah. <clears throat> so we had a chat about his, um, how he approaches his clients. Yes. And he said, you know what? I've left here going, I have the wrong approach. Yeah. I should be much more not what's in it for me, yep. but what's in it for the person. Absolutely. Because I will get the comeback. Yep. And anyway. that's, that's such, in, in a small town, I believe that that is the most important thing. Because... I think people can sense when you're just trying to sell them for the sake of selling them. Absolutely. And if you can, if you can have a little bit of empathy and a little bit of understanding that, you know, often they're already apprehensive when they're talking to you. Yes. And, and I get so many people just coming in because their son sent them to buy a tube. They have no idea what they're buying. All they've got is a bit of numbers scribbled on a, on, on a sheet of paper. Um, you can tell in their face how, how much they hate having to be there to start with. Um, yep. And be able to just have them at the end of going, oh, that was easy. That's my goal. <laughs> it, it's like when somebody walks in, you know, or they walk up to my table. Yeah. And I go, how you going? Yeah. I don't ask, what do you want? Yeah. Or how can I help you? Mine is very much a different approach of, how you going? Yeah. Or, beautiful day outside. Wouldn't you like to not be working? Absolutely. That stops people in their yeah. tracks, that one. That's um, very, very cool. So I think it's taking an approach that is different. Yes. And instead of saying, I bought myself a job, yep. of saying, you know what, this is what I do, now I'm going to be the best at it. Yeah. And so everybody that comes in today is going to get a welcoming experience. Yeah. Very good. All right, to finish up, if you could give um, – a few tips to people who are considering opening a business in a sea change or holiday town or a tree change town. If you can give people, say, three of your best tips, what would they be? I know you've probably make, alluded to some of these already, but make sure that's the place you want to be. Yep. Great. First tip. thing. Yep. Second thing, can this be a business that's sustainable mm-hmm. and is resellable? Yes. At some point in time, 
you're going to go. Oh, great point. Yeah. We've had enough here. Yep. We're moving on. Yep. So it's got to be sustainable and resellable. And the third thing I think is, are you going to be able to cope with the change? Right. Yes. Because if you're a high flyer, you know, corporate sitting in Par- Parramatta every day. Yep. Hating the traffic. Yep. Um, you know, the weekend is purely to catch up on sleep. Mm-hmm. So you think, I'll do the sea change. Yeah. I'll only have a five-minute commute. You get here and find this life is too slow for me. Yes. Um, my son moved to Queensland. I can't even remember the name of the town. But I went and saw them uh, while I was in um, Brisbane. Yep. And they are enjoying it so much. He was commuting from the Blue Mountains yep. to Parramatta every day. Oh, that sounds horrible. It was pretty much two hours each way. Oh, God. So besides your job, you got four hours of travel. Yep. He's now got it down to like 20 minutes each way. Fabulous. And they've, it's not the place they really want to be, yep. as in where they're actually living. Um, they're going to have to move again in a couple of weeks. Yep. But as far as the work goes, his wife can walk to work. She's a, a kindergarten yep. person. Yep. And he can commute into the the office that he's working in in Brisbane. Yep. So their change was dramatic. Yeah. But you're quite right. I do know people that who, who find Yamba too slow. And they don't understand why they can't get fed at 10 o'clock at night. They don't understand why... Um, Everything shut so early on a Sunday, um, and it's 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 not for everyone. But you know, I had that today. <laughs> no, no, no. I went. Our company does everything on Amex card. Yep. So I went to three different service stations in Yamba. None of them take Amex. Yeah, well, they're too expensive. I don't take Amex. <laughs> so I had to drive all the way out to the highway. Oh no! Because on the highway, yes, Amex is an accepted card. There you go. One guy told me though. The reason he doesn't have Amex yeah. is since the NBN came to Yamba, it hasn't worked. Oh, right. It won't do the – they've had bizarre. Telstra looking at it. So it's so strange. It really is odd. Yeah. But, I, but I think people need to understand if you're going to go to the country yeah. or the city or the coast, yep. be prepared for the shock of not being able to go to buy pizza at 11 or 12 o'clock at night. Absolutely. It just yeah. won't happen. And I think I've got to the, luckily I don't have that. There was a time when I'd go, what, you can't get a kebab at two in the morning, but I don't need that. (laughs) I'm a bit older and wise and my body's going, no, you shouldn't be up that time anyway. uh, Paul, thank you so much for making the time. You know, uh, I I came across Paul only a year ago and we kind of stayed in touch and I'm so happy that you made the time to come into Yamba. Um, I hope our listeners have found a couple of little nuggets of information that's there. Um, about the whole process of setting a business up or living in and working in a sea change or tree change town. Um, and I have got something out of this. If you have any questions or comments, um, leave comments or get in touch with us. Um, it's Michael from the Sea Change Business Podcast. Thank you very much once again, Paul, and I'll look forward to talking to you guys soon. Bye now.